Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 40. This is Writing Excuses, talking about the mice quotient, nesting threads. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm Ciel. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Mary Robinette. With Elsie, who is purring very loudly. Hello, Elsie. I am very excited for this episode. We have been circling the concept of nesting threads for five episodes now. And here we are in episode six. We get to dig into it in detail. And so what do we need to know that we haven't already talked about with nesting threads? All right. So um, nesting threads is basically, you know, first in, last out. Um, And it works because of the length of time that we have to invest emotional energy into a problem. So there's a couple of things to know about the way people are wired. Um, and, And I'm going to say that this is this is a specifically Western storytelling style. Um, there's many different traditions, but the way we are trained is that when a quest, when we ask a question, we, we want an answer to it, right? We also want symmetry. Uh, humans tend, and babies, tend to respond really well to symmetry. We like recognizing patterns. So it is, it is helpful to have this, this kind of mirroring thing happen in your story by by having, like, if you begin milieu and then you open an inquiry to close the inquiry and then you close the milieu, people recognize the pattern. But the other piece, and this is the the more important piece, I think, is the amount of emotional energy that you've invested into something. So going back to my idea of um, of elastics, the the longer you stretch an elastic, the more tension it's going to be on it. So if you've got something that you start the stretch on page one and you don't release it until page 597 if you're Brandon, then that's going to have, there's going to be a lot of tension remaining on that. Whereas if you have another thread that you start on page 100, you you have a hundred fewer pages to, to spread that over the span. So knowing that what happens is if you release the tension on the one that that, that longest thread before so let's say my longest one is milieu and i release that before i release the one on inquiry what happens is that there's um there's a tension drop so when i get my when i when i get that other answer i haven't had as much time to invest in it thinking about wizard of oz which you have all watched now, hopefully. Um, when you get to the end, we we close things out in sequence. 
that uh, that Dorothy exits Oz. You know, she gets the answer. Ruby slippers will carry her home. She exits Oz. She gets back to uh, to, to Kansas. Everything is fine. She didn't have to live any, you know, Kansas farm girl. Yeah, I'm happy. If you remember in the the witch's castle when Dorothy is looking at the hourglass and we see Aunt Em sitting on the porch or looking around frantically going, Dorothy, Dorothy, that exists to remind you that the status quo is still disrupted. If instead in that hourglass, what we see is Aunt Em sitting on the porch, everything about the farm has been restored. Status quo is reestablished. That closes that event thread early. So when Dorothy gets out of Oz and goes back to Kansas, it's no big deal. And you get a dramatic tension drop because the status quo, we, we already know that the status quo is restored. There's no, there's no doubt about that in the reader's mind. So that's, that's why nesting threads are very, and, and thinking about this first in last out uh, concept, it is very useful for maintaining that tension through the the story, and, I, and I'm talking about the the frame of the story, not the stuff that's happening in the middle. Yeah, uh, let me use another example. Uh, I'm going to talk about my book, Ghost Station, again. Um, so it begins with this. It's it's about spies in Berlin in 1961, and it begins with the message that comes in from a double agent that is gibberish nonsense. And so the main thrust of the novel is figuring out. What is actually going on? Why was this message weird? What does that mean? Et cetera. And then it hits a point where um, the main character and another one he's working with cross over the wall into East Berlin. And then it becomes a milieu section inside of the larger inquiry section. And they are trying to survive in East Berlin and then escape back out again. And while inside, big spoilers for this book, uh, the person that he is working with attacks him. And it has this event of, oh no, the person I thought I could trust, I no longer can trust. There's this event that takes place inside of there. And then we tie them off in reverse order. He learns that, oh yes, that person actually I can trust. There were very good reasons for that attack. Then he escapes out of East Berlin. And then he solves the overall problem of, of what's going on and what this message means. And using what you were just saying, Mary Robinette, uh, if we had resolved those in reverse order, if he had, for example, solved the entire problem of the message and gotten that taken care of while he was still in East Berlin, then it would feel very unsatisfying. Like, well, yes, you've solved this problem, you dope, but now you're stuck in the wrong side. and, And it would be this kind of dragged out ending of, well, the real story's over, but he's still in a pickle and he's got to get himself home. And we have a few more obnoxious chapters of that. I had not thought of it in those terms until you described it that way. But that makes perfect sense as to why you need to close the brackets in the same order you opened them. Yeah. And we've we've you've all seen films or things where you're like, ah, it's over. No, no, still going. And. Mm-hmm. And usually that's because they're closing things out in the wrong order. Yeah, that is really interesting. I was just going to say that there's something that I have been trying very hard to hold back while we've been going through 
the previous episodes, and it's this. I'm thinking maybe that calling a particular story simply a milieu story or an inquiry story, etc., can't really accurately describe a story because you do need a second ingredient to give the story kind of like a, an interesting dynamic. So, yes, yeah, see, it is exactly that, that you have all of these things going on all the time. And with like my book, Ghost Talkers, which is coincidentally our book of the week, that has multiple things going on in it. It is an inquiry story. It's a it's a murder mystery whodunit, but it's also an event story uh, because it's it's a wartime novel. There's constant status quo disruptions, and and it is a character story because the character is learning to uh, to learning things about themselves and how they move through the world. But it's primarily event inquiry. Those are the those are the major drivers. And this helps me, you know, the, the mice quotient helped me understand what things, what elements to bring into that story and which ones to focus on. And it helped me understand how to end it in a way that was going to be satisfying while at the same time um, trying to do things that were uh, fulfilling, you know, fulfilling these promises, but hopefully in unexpected ways. But um, Ghost Talkers for people who, since it is book of the week, um, it it is it is probably actually my favorite of my novels, and it is the one that the fewest people have read. Um, it is definitely my favorite of your novels. Thank you. Uh, it it, it <laughs> I love Ghost Talkers. Uh, I went on book tour. My book tour started on election day in 2016, and weirdly. <laughs> Weirdly, um, <laughs> there was just not a lot of interest in books at that point. I don't know what was going on uh, then, but um, but it is a World War One spy novel in which uh, mediums work as advertised, and the uh, soldiers are trained, conditioned that when they die, they have to report in as ghosts, and so you have the spirit corps. And um, and then uh, and then things go wrong. Um, some someone gets killed, <laughs> and they aren't <laughs> supposed to. Um, not that anyone is necessarily supposed to get killed, but you know what I mean. Uh, but it kicks off this murder mystery, and um, and and in a, a a look for for who the the betrayal, you know, the person who uh, that the spy and the saboteur is. So uh, World War I spy novel with ghosts is basically it, ghost talkers. Um, but when you, when you listen to it or read it, one of the things that I think you'll notice is that I could have weighted it differently because all of those elements are there. And I could have made different choices about where I was putting the emphasis on the story. And that would have shifted dramatically the the direction of the story and and the way the ending plays out. That's great. I mean, what I'm hearing is that you can have as many mice threads as you want. And actually, maybe it's a good idea to have more than one for a little bit of spice, a little bit of texture, as, as C was talking about. Um, and I remember when I was plotting my novel, um, I was like, I'm going to, it starts with character and then it leads into event and then it goes into milieu and then it goes into inquiry. 
And I remember talking it through with you, Mary Robinette, and you were like, you don't have to have them all. And I was like, oh, I don't. So maybe it's a question of how many and also what weights you put on each quotient. Right. Yes, exactly. It's, it is how heavily you weight them. Because mm-hmm. you can, like, all of these things will exist in the story. It's just how much of them are you letting drive? Um, and that's, that is the thing that is tricky to figure out. So what I have found when you're you're doing this um, is that one of the things that that works well is uh, to pair disparate um, disparate mice thread types. So one of the things that will happen, particularly in multi POV books, you've got one major plot, and then the other one feels. Um, feels extraneous. You're annoyed every time you have to switch over to the B plot. What I find is that frequently when that is happening, it is because they are the same mice thread, uh, so that they are, or same mice type, that they are, say, both events. But one of the events is lower stakes than the other. And so it is difficult to, to care as much. So it always feels like a tension drop. Whereas if you have one event and one character one, they can intersect each other in different ways. But the other thing that they can do is that they can have comparable stake levels so that when you move from one to the other, it, you don't have that same tension drop. Mm-hmm. Would you also suggest or recommend that when you are nesting them, not so much multiple POVs, but nested inside of each other, that they be different types uh, of elements as well. If you've got a milieu inside of a different milieu, uh, it can start to feel repetitive. We have to escape from this place, and now we have to escape from this other place with with no variation in in tone. So the uh, yes and no. Um, mostly, what happens when you do that is that it it just reads as an extension of the original problem. So in um, uh, Star Wars, the, the the rescuing the princess, they have to get in, mm-hmm. they have to get the princess, they have to get back out. And while they are in there, um, stormtroopers, surprise, and so they have to escape by jumping into a garbage a chute. And does that work? Yes, it does, but it is a garbage chute. So now they have another milieu within the larger milieu that they have to escape. So that 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 just that's just a long series of of obstacles and uh, uh, you know consequences obstacles that that's just an extension of that original one. Um, okay. So, so that's you know and and actually blowing up the Death Star itself is we have to get in, drop this package off, which is a bomb, and then get back out again without being killed. I mean, it's still that it's there's just a lot of milieu driving that. But that is not, I would say, the major driver. What do you think and see? Um, I was just thinking about like the idea of having like the two 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 milieu stories in one. Um because I was thinking about like the Lord of the Rings, where it's like basically they're going on a journey to reverse heist a ring into a volcano. Um but like the first part of the story is about 
them leaving Hobbiton and and it's just like these segments of like we're in a place we're gonna leave a place we're traveling across a place in order to get to a place um and I think it works mm-hmm. generally what I was what I was thinking about was um you want the the variety of story type things going on in order to um in order to have some variety but at the same time i always try to think of my different plot threads as um they have to be braidable mm-hmm. like they have to like if i have an inquiry thread and i have a character thread then each one has to affect the other one. Yes. So it's just like two strands twisted together like a rope. But if I add a third one, then it has to, then things get a little bit more complicated mm-hmm. because each one has to affect the other two. Um, and then if you add a fourth one, <laughs> yeah. like lots of people know how to do three strand braids. Not a lot of people know how to do four strand braids. Yep. <laughs> this is exactly. That's a great analogy. And and we're going to be talking about about that when we get to the next one, which is the middles and conflicts. Um, we're going to be talking about how to braid this stuff in the middle. Uh, the nesting stuff is mostly like, where do you start the thing and where do you end it? Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. The more you layer in there, the harder it is to juggle all of those things. So this brings us to our homework. Take your fairy tale. What I want you to do is I want you to look at uh, two mice threads. You're going to, you're going to, now you get to do it with two of them. Okay. So maybe you decide that you're going to do character and event, or you might decide that you're going to do milieu and inquiry or milieu and character, whatever. So I want you to figure that out and nest it neatly so that you begin with character and then, you know, so uh, Goldilocks is tired of being treated like a child and then she, uh, she enters a bear's house and does some investigating and decides that actually maybe she should go home. So she goes home and then she's like, I am actually happy being a child and my home is much nicer than the place that I explored. So we have this very nice little nested thing. So you're going to do a two-strand thing like that. And then the thing that I want you to do is I want you to take those tags and I want you to f- in- invert them. So in, in mine, Goldilocks would enter the bear's house And while she's in the bear's house, she would make a discovery about herself because of her exploration that would then cause her to go home as opposed to the other way around. So your job is to do a two-strand version of whatever your fairy tale is. And then after you've written that out, and you don't have to write the entire story, you can just bullet point it. Flip that, flip the tags, and do it the other way and see what that does to where the conflicts land and how the beginning and end feels. And you are out of excuses. Now go write. This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, C.L. Polk, Charlotte Forfier, and Mary Robinette Kowal.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.